now, this is Box to Box with Rob Gilbert and Derek Dyson. Oh, what a goal! For Chemist Warehouse. Great savings every day. And Hoyt's Herbs and Spices. Changing the mood of food. Absolutely fantastic! Hello and welcome to Box to Box, the show that is everything football. You're with Rob Gilbert and Derek Dyson to run the rule over the past week in the world game. News, including the latest on Socceroos and Matildas with Willem van Denderen, will get us underway shortly while our man in guitar, Michael Edgley, takes a seat on the bench as the Middle Eastern sand quickly drains from the hourglass, counting down the days to the kickoff of the 2022 World Cup. Then, just when we thought in the post-COVID year of the last several, we'd get away with a full round of matches uninterrupted. That was, of course, not reckoning on the sense of humour of the gods who rained a tempest on Gosford's Blue Tongue Stadium to postpone the F3 derby between, of course, the Central Coast Mariners and Newcastle, literally raining on the parade of Mariners' favourite son, Matt Simon. Apart from that speed hump, the season got away with some cracking matches, highlighted by the victory's win over Sydney FC in the Big Blue. We'll go through it all with the ABC's Daniel Garb. Then, after a calamitous start to the English Premier League season, David Moyes has got West Ham firing out of the international break with three wins in the Premier League and Europa League conference combined. Jared Bowen is on the score sheet two weeks in a row. Gianluca Scamarca, what a player he has scored in all three victories, and Michel Antonio rolled one into it at the back of an empty net to break a drought running back till the beginning of September. And a man we love to chat to on Box to Box from the Athletic, Roshane Thomas, will join us to talk through it all. Derek, a packed show. Um, you would have enjoyed a lot of football. The question I do have, though, for you, and it's on... Uh, uh, any uh, eager-eared listener to this show is why would Michael Edgley take this week off of all weeks after what your mob did to um, mine over the weekend? Yeah, I don't understand, Rob. I was a bit surprised to uh, get the call uh, off the bench, um, but I, 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 you probably prefer me as your co-host. Uh, obviously, I'm an Arsenal fan and I will be talking enthusiastically about the Gunners uh, over the course of this show, but you know that I'm slightly more measured and, and also um, remember that what goes around comes around. And in this uh, hyper-competitive league, you've got to be prepared to uh, give what you can take. So um, well done for even turning up for this show, Rob, but uh, I will try and make it comfortable for you. That was uh, that was typically subtle lashing from, from you, and I'm expecting more throughout the show. But uh, congratulations. Well done. You deserve it. It was, it was a great win, exciting game. I think there were a couple of contentious decisions. They went both ways, though. So, um, yeah, uh, I think we can put the queue in the rack for the Premier League this season, just sort of got to consolidate that top four spot and maybe get a result in the Champions League. What about you, Willem? Did you watch much of it over the weekend? Yeah, I did have a, look, a little look at the uh, the Premier League, Rob. Good to see Manchester United back to winning ways as well. Newcastle, 5-0. Maybe it really is time to sit up and take notice of what they're doing uh, up on Tyneside. But I want to start with the Matildas, Rob. They've enjoyed their first win in six months as well, so good news there. Uh, it was against South Africa, the Banyana Banyana, uh, 4-1 at Kingsmeadow, London. Courtney Vine netted the first two goals of her international career. Claire Polkinghorne and Caitlin Ford were also on the score sheet. Uh, in time, this match might be forgotten, but we will definitely look back on it as being the one in which Chloe Legazzo returned from her ACL injury, and she was, as you would be, emotional at full time. I've spoken a lot on the team and how the girls have really turned into family, and I've spent more time with these girls than I have with my family in the last seven years, and to be able to have them support me and, and really mean it means the world to me, and I will do anything for them, so to feel that and you know, kind of come back on the field with their support. It's full circle again, and honestly, I wouldn't have wanted to be anywhere else. 
The Matildas play again on Wednesday morning against Denmark before coming home next month to meet Sweden and Thailand. Rob, you would have been happy watching this. Sam Kerr was ill throughout the week, so she didn't captain the side. She only came on for the last 10 minutes. Uh, but as I said, first win in six months. Sometimes you've just got to get it out of the way. Is it a coincidence? I wonder. I mean, South <laughs> Africa, not... Um, now we ask the question um, and I'll answer it. But, uh, uh, you know, obviously South Africa is not uh, a top-ranked opponent like the, the top-ranked opponents we've been playing in recent times. Uh, so, uh, you know, you'd expect a convincing result against them. Um, we beat Sam Kerr starting in every single one of our games. There's no question about that. I don't think anybody who's listened to this show uh, over time would suggest that I've said anything other than that. It's just that uh, I, uh, I I really wish that um, Tony Gustafsson would, would make the hard decision and just let her play football. So good result. We'll see how they go against Denmark. The Joeys have filled a place at next year's Under-17 World Cup after toppling, uh, after topping their qualifying group in Shepparton with a goal difference of plus 35, Derek. Brad Maloney's side defeated the North Mariana Islands 23-0, Cambodia 10-0 and China 3-1 with Nestroy Iran Kunda uh, scoring eight times. So the Joeys will be one of 16 sides at the tournament. And I think I said World Cup there. That should be the uh, that should be the Asian Cup uh, next year to be played in May. Derek, you've got a feel for the little old uh, North Mariana Islands, 23-0, uh, 10-0 against uh, China as well. We did quite well to lose only 4-0 uh, to Cambodia. Uh, overall... Good signs there for the uh, for the Joeys. Yeah, uh, good signs for the Joeys. I think I did put a rather glib comment in our WhatsApp groups that, suggesting that the twenty three nil was a thriller. I, I wonder what either side learned from that, but I just suppose that uh, from the Joeys' point of view, they just had to remain professional throughout and take your chances and an opportunity to score goals and, and play for your country. So, yeah, it, it was sounds like one of the biggest mis, mismatches um, since the American Samoa game, but uh, hopefully they've got sterner tests ahead, Willem. Spain and Portugal have been joined in their 2030 World Cup bid by Ukraine with Portuguese FA president Fernando Gomes uh, saying this is a logical and natural decision. It is no longer an Iberian bid, but a European bid, said his Spanish counterpart Luis Rubiales with the bid to, quote, generate hope and provide reconstruction tools to the Ukrainian people. The terms of what this actually looks like will be revealed uh, in due course. Derek, World Cup bidding becoming a highly fluid process. And while it's highly honourable for the, the football world to throw their arms around Ukraine and their recovery over the next few years, uh, this, to me, is far from a logical and natural decision. No, I'd, I'd, I'd love to get Edge's views, and maybe we'll talk to him about it on another show, as someone that has to organise a travel for international tournaments. I think probably the genie has come out of the bottle with the last Euros that was played across across uh, a variety of European capital cities. And, and this is emblematic of just, you know, the fact that, it, you know, geography doesn't really matter when it comes to these international tournaments anymore. And before something like this, where you'd have a bid that includes countries on diametrically uh, opposite ends of a continent would just have been ridiculous. But I suppose in the looking through the prism of multi-nation uh, tournaments like we did with Euro 2020 slash 21, then uh, yeah, maybe, maybe it's not so far-fetched anymore. But I think there's a long way to go for whether we think that Ukraine is ready to host an international tournament. I mean, they can't host you know, a majority of their matches at the moment. So I think it's probably a bit far off to think that we're returning to something like normality in that country. Ike Casillas and Carlos Puyol have apologised for a Twitter interaction in which they made fun of being gay, which Josh, Cav Josh Cavallo described as deeply disrespectful. A post on Casillas' account read, Please respect me, 
I'm gay, to which Puyol responded, it is time to tell our story. Casillas removed the post, claiming he was hacked, while Puyol apologised for what he called a clumsy joke. Cavallo stated that to see role models and legends of the game make fun of coming out and my community is beyond disrespectful, Rob. Uh, the more I've thought about this across the day, the more just frustrating and dim-witted it's, it's been. It's just primary school stuff, really. Yeah, I think that's been insulting to primary school kids, to be perfectly frank, after all the publicity uh, that um, the Josh Cavallo in particular received uh, positive publicity around the world, um, the avalanche. Um, so what these guys were thinking uh, just tells us, I guess, that there's a, a long way to go to convince um, uh, the you know the the vast bulk of um, of people who uh, well I'm probably explaining it wrongly because I, I do think the vast bulk of people are on side. Maybe the 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 um, ten twenty percent of people who just uh, who don't take it seriously enough. We've covered off on the Matildas and the Joes. We'll just wrap up the segment with a bit of Socceroos news, and that is. Of course, for the Grand Gold Army, not, not a lot was going on, really. Nathaniel Atkinson and Aziz Bayich both found the net in the Scottish Premiership. Uh, Bayich scored the opener for Dundee in a 4-0 win, while Atkinson earned hearts a point with a volley from outside the box. 94th minute there, well worth uh, going and checking out. Matt Ryan's been dropped by Copenhagen in favour of Polish keeper Kamil Grabara. Uh, now, Derek, he said, the reason the goals have flooded in this season speaks for itself. This is the uh, the former incumbent who was replaced by Ryan and has now replaced him again in turn, and that he doesn't see any competition uh, for the number one spot. So uh, not great there for uh, for Matty Ryan. You've seen him at Brighton and Arsenal, and, I mean, he's, he's our favourite. We love him uh, deeply and everything he's given to the Socceroos, but it seems like another move that is slipping through his fingers, unfortunately. Yeah, his, his departure from... Brighton, I think, still shocks me a little bit. He seemed like a, a really established and trusted goalkeeper there. And he obviously came in and did a job for Arsenal, but it became clear that he wasn't going to be getting a first uh, team opportunities. And I think the form of Aaron Ramsdale has certainly underlined that this season. And by going to uh, Copenhagen, you know, a bit of a step down from the up the Premier League, you, you might say, even if it is the biggest team in Denmark. And unfortunately, with goalkeeping, it sounds really obvious, but there is only one spot on the team for a goalkeeper. And, you know, you don't bring on your substitute goalkeepers unless there's an injury, etc. So you really are just fighting for that that one jersey. I, I doubt that Copenhagen have the same sort of range of games that certain teams that do play with a couple of goalkeepers, uh, depending on which tournament that they're playing in, you know, Copenhagen all want to have their first choice goalkeeper in the Champions League or whatever league that they're in. Um, so, yeah, it's unfortunate for, for Matty Ryan. And again, you know, he'll be looking for another club potentially. And he's got to get some reassurances if he goes again that he's going to be the number one and they're going to stick with him. Mitch Langerak saved a penalty in Nagoya. So the battle for the Socceroos gloves uh, does continue to simmer along in the background. I think on gut feel, Matt Ryan still edges him. Uh, we'll ask Daniel Garb about that shortly. Uh, and just to finish, Rob, musket watch. Yokohama have bungled the chance to mm. seal the J-League. They lost 2-0 to Gamba Osaka uh, and their lead has been trimmed back to five points. It's still well within their control. Uh, they play again on Wednesday evening at a good time for Australian audiences against Jubilo Iwata, uh, while Kawasaki, their only contender, uh, play Kyoto Sanger. So uh, despite the loss, still looking highly likely that Kevin will lift the J-League. All right, uh, we'll stick around. Um, Willem and I are going to have a chat to Daniel Garb about that very A-League round uh, after the break on box to box Hey, hey, it's Chemist Warehouse time on Box to Box. It's time for you to stock up and save at Chemist Warehouse. Swiss Ultivite Joint Repair. 90 tablets for $21.99. Willem, do you need some of that after your uh, your footy season? 
I most certainly do. Rob feeling uh, recovered now, quicker than uh, in usual time, given my recent and frequent trips to a chemist warehouse. Excellent. Well done. And Derek, Nature's Own Complete Sleep Advanced 60 Tablets for $27.99. Has that been helping you out, mate? I know you paid a trip recently. Uh, yeah, you need you need your help with your sleep sometimes. And when you've got a, uh, a little girl who is constantly awake in the middle of the night, it helps get me through the night. I know, I pop one just before I go to sleep, but it uh, just helps you when you wake up in the middle of the night, get back to sleep. Blackmore's Biomagnesium, 200 tablets for just $29.99, save $10. There's also Wagner Health Nasal Decongestant Spray for $4.99, Advil Children's Pain and Fever Relief, 200 mils for $8.99, and Decenex Hay Fever and Allergy Relief, right in the middle of spring we are. If you sneeze a lot and you've got hay fever, get yourself some of that 40 tablets for $22.99. Chemist Warehouse, the great savings are every single day. Box to box. Can you believe it? For Chemist Warehouse. Great savings every day. And Hoyt's Herbs and Spices. Changing the mood of food. And this could be the most crucial goal of all. Yes, this is Box to Box, and I said off the top of the show when we thought it was safe to go back in the water post-COVID, we'll get a full season away, down comes Mother Nature and rains on our F3 Derby parade. That said, that game didn't get away, but a lot of really good games did get away, and the ones that we saw, most of them, in fact, we were pretty pleased with uh, the return of the A-League, and a man who covered it all with the ABCs, Daniel Garby, has been covering it for many years. Welcome back to the show, Garby. Thank you, boys. Thanks for having me. Friday night... Uh, uh, Willem and Derek and I went along to Amy Park to watch uh, Western United and Melbourne City. It was an entertaining game. Uh, we all agreed that uh, that the atmosphere for the relatively small crowd uh, uh, punched above its weight. The active supporters at the away ends were, were in full voice. Uh, uh, the game was entertaining. Uh, I guess the question I'd ask is, off the back of the, 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 the two competitive codes of AFL and NRL finishing their grand finals, was that the game that you'd schedule for for your return where you had two clubs that are relatively uh, poorly supported and, and not guaranteed to get eyeballs? You'd look for a, a bigger crowd in, in game one. The thing is, if you look at, at the crowds, the only one that really jumps out with a big number is the big blue. Mm. Um, but that's the Saturday night game, of course, because it's on Channel 10 and so it gets more eyeballs watching it. And there was a very good TV number I saw for... Uh, for that game. So I can understand why that wouldn't be the opening game, even though I think it's nice to make a statement with a massive crowd for the season opener. I'd like to see that potentially, but the company that pays the big money for the TV rights obviously gets first dibs for good reason. Um, I'm not sure which other game you could have potentially fixed it as a result. Western City didn't get a great crowd um, against Perth. It was solid. Brisbane was the same. So a grand final rematch makes sense. I think if you add it all up, but yeah, unfortunately, the you would have liked to have seen a bigger number for the opening game, but none of the other games really eclipsed it by that much. So in the end, I don't think it made too much of a difference. Uh, Melbourne City probably better value than uh, the 2-1 scoreline uh, indicated, uh, the, the junk time goal that uh, United scored to sort of uh, make the, the, the score sheet look a little bit better uh, was uh, well, probably... Um, uh, value for them at least. But uh, but Melbourne City look like they're going to be a really tough team to beat this season. Yeah, they are. I mean, Barish is a good acquisition for them, obviously. Um, yeah, we know what Jamie McLaren does. You know, does the World Cup take much out of him mentally when he goes there? I mean, you wouldn't think it would be too big of an issue. The key component for Melbourne City in their win was the form of Tom Glover in goals. And not just for, for City, but I think for him and for, for Australian football because he's a big talent. We saw what he did with the Olly Roos. Probably had a down season last season. And, you know, when you consider that 
the goalkeepers in the Socceroos camp at the moment are you know, getting on a little bit. The wrong side of 30. You know, we need someone to come through and be the heir apparent to Matt Ryan and definitely in the mix as a Socceroos successor. I think Tom Glover has been considered that for some time. He needed a good start to the season. He got one. He was excellent. And that should give him a big boost, I think, confidence-wise to say, all right, time to relaunch my career now after a bit of a quiet season last time out. So he was the most impressive performer, I think, from a Melbourne City point of view. And that was a nice finish by Jamie McLaren as well in front of the Socceroos boss. He's probably 75% to the weight of the World Cup, Jamie McLaren. But you'd want to make sure you lock it up. And so that finish was tidy, taking advantage of a, a poor Leo Lacroix, who we'll just put that down to a season opener game for him and uh, he'll snap out of the funk and get back to his best. Daniel, the game of the round as you mentioned was the big blue and that's not always the case in, in round one. It can take a little while and they can occasionally be fizzes but this certainly delivered. Before we get on to the victory, did you see enough from Sydney FC uh, to be confident that they've had a, a proper freshen up uh, despite not getting the result? I like what they're doing in attack. I think they are going to be good going forward. I think Robert Mack and Joe Lolly are really good signings on the wing. I think Yazbek is someone who is going to be creative for them in midfield. Lovely ball for Mack and, and for the goal. The issue with Sydney is is their defence and players in key areas perhaps being injury-prone or ageing. So Luke Bratton's coming back from a knee. How long is he going to take to get back to his best? He's the wrong side of 30. We know that Alex Wilkinson is in his last season or, or two perhaps. He keeps playing year on year basically in terms of his contract. He goes off with a groin injury. Is that going to start becoming an issue for him? If so, Jack Rodwell's the other centre-back option. He's had injury concerns throughout his career. It's that defensive mix, I think, for for Sydney and not quite having that same synergy at the back that they've had in previous seasons. I can see them being really good going forward to start the campaign, but perhaps exposed at the back. And they need to get settled early because they've got a coach who's under a bit of pressure as well. That can start becoming a factor. I think Sydney will be fine but they need to start the season in a good manner. And at the moment, they've got defensive injuries, um, which are a concern for them. And, and Melbourne victory certainly exposed that. And for the victory, Nanny didn't dominate across the 90, but when he was involved, he had a couple of very, very telling uh, interventions. Always two parts uh, to what a play like this can offer the league as well, though. There's the on the field for the team and there's the off the pitch uh, as a broader marquee. And there's good reason for us to be tentative when we say things like this, but it looks to this point like he's going to uh, he's going to bring the full package for the A-League. Well, both he and Charlie Austin, the two big marquees, have been fantastic off the field. I think Austin especially will be excellent on the field. Nani, yeah, look, maybe he doesn't dominate games of football, but I think he'll score goals. And he laid on a brilliant assist for, uh, for the victory second. Excellent pass by Stefan Negro, first and foremost, to play Nani through, but uh, his pass was just as good. But I just love the way he celebrated afterwards. The guy has won four Premier League titles. He won a Champions League celebrating in the rooms like it was his debut. It wasn't that great to see. Um, and, you know, the way in which the kids ran onto the field to meet him after the game, he took it all in his stride as he has done everything. Uh, he's a draw card. I think we'll see some big crowds for the victory early on in the season. And Nani's a big reason for that. Got to ask you about Garen Quall as well. He's the walking headline at the moment, even when he doesn't play. Uh, we know time is ticking for him and he was robbed of an appearance here with the F3 Derby washout. He's now been picked in the under-20 squad, which heads to Q8 for the under-20 Asian Cup qualifiers. And that probably puts him out of the A-League until round four. Nick Montgomery's been clear and he said it doesn't make sense to him, but he would have a vested interest. Where do you sit on this, uh, Garby? Do you see this as lost time in an A-League sense or maybe uh, maybe three matches in quick succession to get him into that into that World Cup squad. Where do you see this? Player? Where do you see this at the moment? I'd like to see him play in the A League. I really would. Um, but perhaps he gets more game time for the under twenties. So that's potentially a bonus for the Socceroos. 
because he hasn't started an A-League game yet and he wasn't down to start for the Mariners on the weekend, although that's because he'd been away with the Socceroos. Um, it's an interesting watch for the national team. I think he ultimately goes uh, to the World Cup, but I'd like to see him stay with, with the Mariners and, uh, and play some football with them. I think it would light up the competition, but you know that's also with personal interest attached, the same with all of us. We want to see a young talent like that playing in the A-League and attracting crowds. There's a bigger picture play, obviously, at hand as well. Heading abroad, Matt Ryan's been dropped by Copenhagen, which mm. is not a good sign. Uh, the chorus is growing and has, has been for some time around Mitch Langerak, who's Mr. Consistent in Japan. I found it interesting that Arnold didn't have a look at Langerak in New Zealand. He went with Andrew Redmayne, so maybe that counts against uh, Langerak. Matt Ryan has never really let the Socceroos down, even when he hasn't been playing at club level. He's always delivered for the national team. Uh, do you think there's any doubt whatsoever that he starts uh, against France? A little bit of doubt, yeah. There has to be. I mean, if Mitch Langerak comes into camp and you can tell that he's someone at the peak of his powers and the extra game time he's had is showing, then perhaps, but I'd say it's minor. Matt Ryan's the captain. He's been part of the fabric for some time. You have to take into account other factors. And those factors are that Matt Ryan's a huge leader of the team, a huge presence. So I think he starts. I'd be very surprised if he didn't. But yeah, there must be a, a little bit of doubt in his mind. And it's something for Graham, on to, Graham Arnold to ponder. But really, I think it's 10% of doubt, 90% confidence that Matt Ryan starts in terms of Graham Arnold's mind. And what about Daniel Arzani, hooked after an hour uh, for MacArthur? Dwight York sung his praises over pre-season, clearly recognised his talent and says he has to go, uh, but then was, yeah, more than happy to hook him and say he wasn't at the races. Uh, this looks good. Maybe York's the man to get it out of him. He's recognised that talent, but he's going to ride him hard. Hopefully. The World Cup might just come too soon for him. That's the concern with Daniel Arzani. Um, I don't think he goes at this stage, but I think he will get back to his best this season in the A-League. Daniel, thanks again for your time, mate. We'll uh, look forward to talking to you closer to uh, the, the World Cup. Appreciate it. Everybody's going to buy hot spaces. Everybody's going to save a dollar or two. I can't sing, but I can cook, and I love cooking, and I love eating. And so do the boys on the show. And our friends, Hoyt's Herbs and Spices, are always on hand for tips and advice on how to add flavour and taste to the kitchen and changing the mood of your food. I love to cook a chicken schnitzel. Now, it sounds pretty boring, doesn't it? Chicken parma, get into the pub, order that. Well, what you've got to do to spice it up a little bit is get your Hoyt spices, a little chilli, some dried parsley, get it into your breadcrumbs with some fresh parmesan cheese grated into it, Willem. Absolutely delicious. What have you been cooking lately? Uh, I've been cooking uh, the Hungarian goulash, Rob, with the oh. Hoyt's paprika Hungaria-style sweet paprika. So it's not just your standard paprika. That's just, no, no. you know, quite hot, brings the warmth. But this one just gives it that little bit of extra uh, little bit of extra tang for your Hungarian goulash. Might have to drag that one back by popular demand. I know I did that recipe a few weeks back, didn't I? Now, Derek, um, you're a man who likes to get his um, his apron on and, uh, and cook up a feast. Yeah, I'm trying a new recipe this week. It is a chicken and egg curry. What came first, chicken or the egg? I think both and in curry form. And from Hoyts, I'll be using their ground turmeric, uh, some cumin, ground coriander, and garam masala. Sounds delicious. It does sound delicious. And if you're listening and you're not a big fan of cooking yourself, but uh, you like eating, then just be a bit more adventurous. Jump online, find a recipe. And remember, when you get down to your supermarket, it's Coles, Woolworths, all, all good independent supermarkets, grab the Hoyts value packs and fill up your empty spice jars. Hoyts. The best in the business. Box to box. Can you believe it? For Chemist Warehouse. Great savings every day. And Hoyt's Herbs and Spices. Changing the mood of food. And this could be the most crucial goal of all.
Yes, this is Box to Box, and we said off the top of the show, uh, David Moyes didn't quite have the start to the Premier League season that he'd planned with uh, three straight losses, and it wasn't looking uh, all that positive going into the international break. But boy, have the Hammers burst out of it uh, with a vengeance and looking one of the form sides of the Premier League uh, with a, an outstanding a result over Fulham, who had themselves uh, been in pretty good form earlier on in the season to uh, to get that result 3-1. And the man who covers the beat at West Ham with The Athletic is Roshane Thomas, and he's back with us on box to box How are you, Roshane? I'm all good. Yourself? Mate, we are fantastic. Um, and uh, is that a fair assessment? I mean, we, 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 did it feel... Um, a little odd after those three games. I mean, it's it's one thing to have a bad start to the season, but but when you 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 know you've got uh, a, a manager who's comfortable in his in his role and um, uh, a squad that's largely uh, 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 you know well uh, considered in terms of uh, of their stature in in the competition, you sign up a, a new player in Lucas Skamaka uh, from uh, Sassuolo, who had expected big things. Did it did it feel was it unexpected that start of the season? Put it that way. Yeah, certainly a fair assessment, and you're correct in saying that because, you know, as I reflect now, it dates back to pre-season. Pre-season, the results weren't weren't convincing. Um, weren't scoring that many goals, and then on the summer side, and near for Guerrero suffers an ankle injury against Rangers, so you're man down in defense, and then Craig Dawson suffers the thigh injury, so that's two defenders that's out of your team. So for the season opener against Man City, for example, you have a makeshift defence that happens. I mean, you have a game against Nottingham Forest where you lose 1-0, but you create like 10 chances and you're thinking, how on earth did West Ham not score? It's like a heavyweight contest. And one fighter knocks the opponent out like five times. You're thinking, how on earth is this guy still getting up? And then your opponent knocks you down once and you lose. So it's one of those sort of contests for West Ham in that day. And then there's Chelsea, VAR went against West Ham that day. So it's been... Other mitigating circumstances when you factor West Ham's slow start, but that and also the main one being me personally, I thought Moyes was played the wrong personnel. So slowly bedding in Skamaka, he's playing Antonio, he's slowly bedding in Maxwell Cornway, playing Paolo Fornals on the left wing. And the supporters are saying, Listen, we spent so much money in silence in the summer, why on earth are we not seeing them? And Moyes' response would be, Look, we're slowly working them into the team because they're not fully fit. We missed pre season. You know, I can't rush them into the team just now. And I guess now, with the players more up to speed in terms of the start of play, Memphis on the training ground, we're seeing the returns in terms of Skamaka doing well, Lucas Paqueta doing well. And that's now coinciding with West Ham having three successive wins on the bounce. Yeah, Moyes has been under some pressure, but what's the mood been like amongst the uh, West Ham faithful? Has there been any mutterings about Moyes and whether he had the ability to uh, continue uh, bringing this team forward? Or... Uh, have there been more your measured response in terms of accepting that not everything is is, is gone away so far and, and they're going to back Moyes to turn things around? I'll tell you what, I was I was worried for him after the loss to Everton, the one no loss, because West Ham were poor in that game, really, really poor in that game, right? And I felt the break, international break came at the right time for West Ham. The right time, the players can go away for their respective countries, the players who haven't been called up, they can go away for a couple of days break. Just go be away from each other and then come back and then get ball, get the ball rolling. And I reckon that was a blessing in disguise for West Ham. I really do because it just clicked, clicked after. You know, after the um, the Tino Winter uh, Wolves, Moy said he felt relieved because after that game, Wolves' manager got sacked. 
And had that been a loss to West Ham, that, that could have been David Moyes. You know what I mean? So that break after the uh, after the loss to Everton came at the right time and I think the players have reacted well to play much better. The new signings have slotted in well. Now, sign, now, now fans rather are like, yes, Moyes is the man to turn it around. Where the few weeks before that, Few fans I've seen on social media and fans I bumped into at the ground were like, I think it's time for a change. So, so it shows how quick things can change in football. Now it's a happy atmosphere, everyone's happy, but a couple of weeks ago that wasn't the case. One thing we can't doubt about Moyes is his eye for a bargain in the transfer market. I mean by a bargain is in getting someone slightly under the radar and bringing them in, still spending uh, big money. Uh, it was famous for us at Ever- Everton, of course. Uh, Skamaka, you mentioned him off the top. He scored in his third successive game uh, versus Fulham. West Ham have been reliant on Antonio in recent years. And of course, he was on the score sheet too. But uh, Skamaka seems to be the, the main man and the focal point of the attack. What is he bringing that's uh, different uh, for this team uh, at the moment? Personality, you know, after scoring against Wolves, he said, you know, my FIFA rating should be much higher. So certainly personality, you've seen he's a likeable member of the squad. Range of goals against um, Bucharest, well, they're now known as FCSB in uh, the Conference League group stage game. He's goal from distance and against Wolves, he's goal from distance. So that's, so he's got not just a tapping merchant, he's got a range of goals in his locker, can score headers. So his all-around game has been really good. Link-up play, Paqueta, as I mentioned earlier, has been great. In the past, what, four days, they combined for two goals and two assists. So we're slowly seeing that partnership gelling. And ultimately, a striker that can score goals. <laughs> you know, West Ham have had so many strikers, about 500 over the past two years. <laughs> and now you have someone like Paqueta, who scored six goals in top appearances. He's had a great start. And fans are like, listen, he could be someone like a D-national for us. You know, back in the day, he was a very good striker for West Ham. Yesterday, I tweeted, is he the new Marco Anatovic? Because he reminds me a lot of him in terms of personality, he can score goals. And fans are like, listen, don't be rude. He's way better than uh, Marco Anatovic. I'm like, okay, guys, okay, I'm, I'm just making a comparison. But yeah, he's been a great signing and long may it continue because he's shown off to the back of the net. Is. Yeah, and one player who's still uh, in the West Ham side at the moment, of course, is Declan Rice, probably the player of the season for them last season, still... Um, putting in some some good performances this season. You know, there was, there was a lot of interest in Rice over the summer. You pick up any kind of uh, tabloid rag, you'll always see him being linked with um, some someone. How is he going at the moment, you know, with your, with your West Ham uh, hat on, but also thinking ahead to the World Cup as well? How is he going from an England point of view? From an England point of view, he's still hugely important. We saw that in the recent um, Nations League fixtures. He's one of the first ones on the team sheet. I think when you think about who could be um, in that in that starting eleven for the first group stage game against Iran, Declan Rice definitely comes to mind, and that shows you how how reliable he is. So he's definitely he definitely hasn't let any speculation about his future affect performance on the field. We spoke to him last week in Belgium ahead of the Anderlecht game, and he's speaking about what more he needs to what more he needs to work on, how he wants to play every game possible. So this shows you how tenacious he is in wanting to improve. And for me personally, it's, it's just a pleasure watching him play week in, week out. It really is. I've seen him go from a boy to a man, ultimately. So he's definitely been reliable for West Ham and, and for England. And it's just a case of him improving. His contract expires in the summer of 2024. West Ham have the option to extend by one year, ultimately being 2025. So they have no intention of selling him as it stands. But you can imagine a club, whether it be Man City, Chelsea or club from abroad, will try and, you know, Offer, 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 offer a fairly good offer for, for West Ham next summer. That that tends to be the um, 
that tends to be the mindset at the minute. So, look, until that happens, he's a rest time player and he's continued to improve. Yeah, I seem to be asking this question a lot when we get our guests in, but I always like to see how we think the World Cup is going to impact certain teams. We've also we've we've obviously spoken about Rice and yeah, of course he will go away with England, will probably start for England and West Ham fans will cross their fingers that A, he will play well uh, for England, but also he'll come back in one piece ready to start the uh, the season afresh. But how are West Ham going to be impacted by the World Cup? Is there a, a, an exodus of players depend you know, based on the, the playing staff at the moment? Yes, so Declan Rice of course Tilo Kera for, for Germany, Lucas Paqueta for, for, for Belgium, for Belgium, for Brazil rather. And um, there's certainly ones that come to mind. And look, it's great that West Ham have international players like that that can have an impact in the World Cup. In terms of players out on loan, Nicola Vlasic, along at Torino, you know, he's going to be, I'd imagine, for Croatia involved in, in that World Cup. So exciting for the club, of course, but David Moyes will be like, listen, play in the World Cup, but come back in one piece, guys. <laughs> come back mm-hmm. in one piece because we're going to need you after. So. So yeah, definitely exciting, and um, and yeah, in terms of the World Cup itself, you know, also players show their worth and increase their value. So let's say a West Ham player has a great World Cup, the value will only increase. And from a business sense, that's great for the club. Yeah, you're saying come back in one piece because of course there's plenty of games to play, and uh, West Ham are playing Europa Conference League football uh, again this year. And uh, how, how are you viewing this tournament uh, at the moment, Rashane? Is it a case of uh, still delighted to be involved in some kind of European football because the Premier League is, of course, extremely competitive. And when you throw in the likes of Newcastle United, who are clearly going to uh, finish higher up the table with their newfound money, the likes of Brighton, who are kind of putting a cat amongst the pigeons in terms of where they might finish. Is, is it a case of we're happy having European football or because the, you know it's such a long grind, this European, European Conference League, is it something you feel like West Ham could even do without this season? No, no, it's always definitely still happy to be involved in European football. David Moyes said that as well in his press conference because when you think about the summer in terms of West Ham trying to sign players, one of the biggest reasons why they missed out on a lot of players because they couldn't offer Champions League football. And obviously, they couldn't offer Europa League football. They could offer Conference League, which is some sort of, st- of European football. So it still worked in West Ham's favour in terms of attracting players. And I mean, for me personally, I feel like it's incredible West Ham still being in Europe. I remember days when West Ham were terrible, like really, really bad. Relegation fights, you know, fans running on the pitch, pitch invasions, like when things were really, really bad. So, for example, last week I was out in Belgium. I was supporters, everyone having a great time. It's going to be um, against Bucharest. In November, trip to Romania. So fans have these trips to look forward to and it's all part of the experience. So definitely still a great thing West Ham being in Europe and hopefully this season they can finish in top six or maybe in top four to qualify for Europa League or potentially um, Champions League. And one last point, it's a competition that West Ham can win, the Conference League. Mm-hmm. And if you've got other clubs in there, they can definitely, well, they definitely should be one of the favourites. Good point. And looking ahead to the, uh, well, away from the Conference League uh, to, to the Premier League itself, uh, um, you know, we're uh, just uh, uh, nine or so rounds in with the, the postponements um, taken into consideration. Uh, uh, West Ham now finds uh, uh, itself in that sort of mid-table cluster with uh, with a bunch of clubs, uh, which include Liverpool, Liverpool. Uh, a Southampton side looking uh, uh, weak, uh, a vulnerable Liverpool the week after, and then Bournemouth. Uh, uh, you've got to think that if if uh, if West Ham can pick up some points, then uh, you know some you know it's not necessarily low hanging fruit, but uh, but they're available points right now that uh, that 
uh, the club could be sitting sort of on the fringes of that top six European qualification for next season? It's a good question because I actually think this is a big month for West Ham in terms of picking up points and gaining that momentum. Well, they've started building momentum now following the three successes of wins, but just building momentum before the World Cup, as you touched on, you know, there's Anderlecht on Thursday, that should be a winnable game. Southampton on Sunday, their man is under pressure, so that should be another winnable game. And then next Wednesday, away to Liverpool, and they are not like a great team right now, so that should be um, a fixture that West Ham should look to win, of course. And we've got Man United at the end of the month, and, you know, Bournemouth as well this month. So, look, there's definitely winnable games on paper, and, yeah, I certainly think it's going to be, well, hopefully a good month for West Ham, building momentum, key players are starting to show their worth. And yeah, hopefully more momentum and clout at the table for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And there's, a, as you you know, there's a there's a, a, a big West Ham supporter base in Australia. Uh, the, the fan clubs on this side of the world uh, uh, love the Hammers. Uh, you know, you can have uh, uh, what are you know perceived as the sort of the, the top. Uh, uh, you know, big six clubs, but um, but the Hammers uh, are not that far away in terms of uh, their support in Australia. So uh, we know our listeners love having a, uh, a chance to listen to to your analysis of uh, of the club, Shane, and um, and we uh, enjoy uh, reading your work with the Athletic as well, mate. So uh, thanks again for coming on, and uh, and stay well, mate. We'll have to talk to you maybe a little closer to to that World Cup break and uh, sure. just, just see how they're going there. No, no worries, for sure, for sure. Definitely, definitely happy to come on again, so no worries at all. Good on you, brilliant. Roshane Thomas from The Athletic, always generous with his time. Okay, stick around. World Cup Corner next on Box to Box. Box to Box. Can you believe it? For Chemist Warehouse. Great savings every day. And Hoyt's Herbs and Spices. Changing the mood of food. And this could be the most crucial goal of all. Yes, this is Box to Box. This is World Cup Corner. It's getting closer. Willem, you getting excited, mate? I'm getting excited. Lionel Messi's getting excited, but he's also said it's getting a little bit anxious because it is going to be his last one. I mean, that seems pretty apparent at 35, but sometimes to hear it from the horse's mouth uh, does carry a little bit of extra weight. Uh, he made his World Cup debut in Germany in 2006, aged 18. Uh, he captained the side to the 2014 final eight years later. Uh, we're already eight and a half years on uh, from that, would you believe? So safe for defeat against UAE next month in their last little tune-up. They're going to take a 36-match unbeaten run into the tournament. Uh, Brazil will go in as FIFA's top-ranked side, uh, but Argentina, Derek, uh, with what Messi's described as a, as a younger group, he said that it's a different feel these days. He's the old man with a younger group underneath him, and it's, it's a group that's achieved something, having won that uh, 2019 Copper and lifted the big weight off his back uh, in terms of winning something. Uh, yeah, It's a different blend. He's... he's yeah, as you said, anxious and nervous, uh, given what it means. Well, he got the big tournament monkey off his back, didn't he, with the uh, the Copa America. He finally won that. And, yeah, if he says it's going to be his last tournament, then we, we have to take him at face value. We look at Cristiano Ronaldo still banging in goals for Manchester United at the tender age of 38 or, or whatever he is. So you, ne- you never, never know. He, he looks in good form for Paris Saint-Germain. And he will, I suppose, Argentina will want him as long as he continues that form. Uh, but I suspect if the, the uh, Argentina team did go deep in this tournament and dare say won it, and at this stage I don't see any reason why they couldn't, uh, what, a, what a way what a way to go out. Uh, Messi will always be measured primarily on his club career. I think that's a fair comment. Like this, where he's idolised by particularly the Barcelona fans, but obviously a selection of global fans as well. And I think just trying to do something extra with uh, Argentina would certainly be the icing on what's already a pretty impressive cake. Now, the kits are out. 
uh, guys, I've put it to you this week to come up with your best, your worst, and your most notable. Uh, Derek, I'd say on the whole, uh, not to be pessimistic, but I'm a little bit disappointed. I think there's some <laughs> real botch jobs from Puma, uh, particularly with the away uh, with the away kits. And I think in a sort of positive spin, I did say to you midweek that this year and this offering hopefully paves the way for a 2026 return to tradition and some cracking retro kits. Yeah, it was pretty thin gruel, to, to be honest with you. And I uh, don't want to put a dampener on things. I tend to put a dampener on everything on this show, and I'm, I'm starting it with the uh, with the kits. I just felt there wasn't a lot of variation between the kits. I think they're kind of homogenized a little bit. Uh, you know, quite a lot of round necks, not a lot of collars, I noticed, for a start. Mm. Collars are generally, uh, you know, a good part of a stylish kit so there's a lot of t-shirty looking uh kits at the moment and i think it's going to be 40 degrees well well true yes although we're talking we were sold air-conditioned stadiums yes. William, if you'll remember but I no, I do. That's, uh, that 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 shouldn't be the reason but yeah not a lot of differentiation between the kits like sometimes not even differentiation between the home and the away i think iran in particular is just a kind of inversion of the colors that even bother coming up with a um with a with a new design, but you know, I've managed to narrow down a couple uh, for us. If you if you want me to take take you through them, please. So let's have your best, please. Yeah, look. For some reason, the Germany kit just called out to me. I, I think it's quite controversial. This is Adidas kit. This is great radio, by the way. You know, uh, describe describing something. But I quite like the central badge. Like I do like that on kits sometimes, as opposed to up on the. Uh, left-hand side and I think it's a different direction with the black uh, down the middle as well obviously Germany go for the uh, the all-white kits normally but there's something about this one that I thought yeah that looks quite boss and uh, got the gold on there too with the four the four stars so yeah I I think if I was uh, playing Germany I'd be looking at that and seeing the gold and stars and thinking oh we're we're potentially in for a game here yeah I quite like it whether you like it or not it's certainly a, a strong bold kit Rob your best well, there are very few guarantees in life, but one of them is that Argentina will wear the blue and white stripes at a World Cup, as they have done for the last nearly century. Uh, the two gold stars for the 1978-86 wins. I just think uh, when when uh, when you see those uh, those stripes at a football match, um, preferably I like the black shorts, the black trim on the shirt. Uh, it, it to me, it's it's my favourite. Uh, and most consistent um, of, of World Cup shirts. My favourite, certainly as a pairing, comes from Portugal, a Nike offering. The uh, the home kit is just your standard red and green, but they're sort of similar, or sorry, rather simple block colours, but I think quite striking and quite classy. Uh, and then the away kit is all cream, except across the chest there's the, the green and the red band as well, which sort of looks like the flag. So I quite like that one from then, Derek. Uh, your worst and then your notable. Yeah, okay. I've gone for my two worst. I couldn't quite decide. I couldn't quite uh, pick between uh, the Swiss kit um the home one so this is red with a v-neck i just thought it just lacks a bit of imagination uh this kit i just if i was going into the changing room and i saw that i just don't think i'd be that inspired uh to play for it the uh the the away kit isn't much better either it's just uh it seems to be inverse um of of that kit and then uh, I've gone for Senegal's home kit. So this is the uh, this is the white the white number, which uh, uh, appears to have what I can only describe as like a rugby league style top on there with the uh, with the kind of V. 
Um, I just think it's a rugby league kit, basically, and uh, the away kit too. And this seems to be a repetitive um, uh, thing from Puma. There just seems mm. to be the random kind of negative image, a negative um, patch in the middle of the chest with some kind of uh, insignia around it. It just doesn't work for me at all. But um, Switzerland and Senegal are a big thumbs down from me. And the one of no, I just couldn't quite decide... Um, what was going on with the Mexico away kit? Um, it is quite is quite a thing. It looks like one of my dad's t- ties from the nineteen eighties. But uh, so I couldn't quite decide if that was hot or not. So I'm just going to sit on the fence and go. Hmm, interesting. Mm. Back to your before. I, sorry to cut in there, Rob. Before um, what you were saying before there, Derek, with the the Senegal Swiss. Uh, yeah, it, it is Puma. It's this sort of template they've got with just a, a sort of square in the middle of it. Uh, and Uruguay have gone at, uh, as well. So you're going to have a lot of clubs looking, a lot of nations, I should say, uh, looking quite similar. Rob, uh, your your worst? Korea strip is usually one of the most dominant, you know, that, that fiery red shirt. But uh, um, this time it's their away um, jersey, with which they say uh, highlights the Taguk um, symbol, which you'll be familiar with. It's the it's the sideways comma, right? So the blue and the red comma that sort of dovetails into each other. The only problem is it looks nothing like it. Um, it looks <laughs> like somebody's got the colours and just splashed them on a shirt. So uh, uh, whilst uh, the Taguk represents national pride and balance between heaven and earth, I couldn't see any balance between anything on that shirt. So that's the Korean away shirt. And my most notable is as close as you could get. I would have preferred just a nice, neat, classic gold with uh, green piping for the Australian shirt. But I'm going to throw uh, Australia's 2022 uh, well, home shirt in the predominantly green logos. Do a little bit of research on this one. Um, it's the same template as the Wolfsburg 2023 home shirt and features a tonal pattern similar to the PSG 2021 fourth kit. So obviously no original ideas there. They've just dragged something off from uh, the... Uh, you know, the the, the uh, cupboard of uh, past um, ideas. Well, and what were yours? Sorry. So, where did you where did you have the Australian one? Was that your worst or your notable? No, no, my notable. Oh, uh, your notable. Because it was because of the gold. My worst was yeah. clearly the South the South Korean away. Were you listening? Uh huh. Oh, sorry. I was listening. I was just disappointed because <laughs> the South Korea was away was my notable, but leaning more towards the positive side of the fence. I quite like the the psychedelic texture look. I think it looks quite good. Um, the Australian one, well, it's better than the one that we had four years ago with the waves on the uh, on the sleeves, uh, which harked back to a throwaway line that no one ever remembered, which was Mark Viduka saying, oh, we want to see a, a sea of green and gold. So they put some green uh, waves on the uh, on the sleeves. That was very bizarre, Rob. But uh, there you go. That's our kit wrap. I'm sure Edgley hey, will have some final strong one. opinions next week. Will, and one final one as well. We did get an actual preview at the uh, football on Friday of the Holland kit. I was expecting mm. some commentary from you on the on the Dutch kit. The young lad there who was uh, in the box uh, was showing showing it off to us. And uh, Eddie, Eddie, yeah. But I think you and I were had a bit of an issue with the or, the actual orange colour. Yes, no, it's not your your t- traditional strong block Dutch orange it's more of a sort of tepid half yellow sort of botch job so no i wasn't too happy with it halfway towards uh custard derek yeah well you said you weren't going to buy it uh, and mm. i think you know if i had my pick of international teams uh you know unfortunately i'm kind of you know stuck with some some of my home nations and possibly even australia with my new mm. freshly minted passport but if i could just pick any kit i think probably the dutch one's got to be right up there i just think it's bold it's iconic I'd love a retro Cruyff one. I think that would look really smart. But, uh, yeah, this one just looks a bit tepid for me. But sorry, Eddie, um, you were looking good. 
He, he did look good in it, as good as you could possibly look in it after you two have just slammed it. Okay, um, Edge will get your nominations next week. Good show, fellas. Um, keep a, an ear out for uh, stoppage time later on in the week. Uh, uh, offside, if you didn't get the chance to listen to it last week, uh, uh, our three episodes so far, we, uh, we're really pleased with what's coming out. Uh, Martin Tyler, the first week, Paul Wade uh, following, and uh, and Heather Garriock. So we're intending to put stoppage offside out uh, every other week, uh, but uh, stoppage time uh, a little later this week for you. So please subscribe to Box to Box, Box to Box Stoppage Time and Offside, wherever you get your podcast. Tweet us at Box to Box NTS and follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook, and join us throughout the week as our podcast drop and we go from one end of the pitch to the other in the world game.